Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to Scoop B Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoop B Radio, DJ Manio. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoopy and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brendan Robinson. E.K. Manny. Manny. L. Scoopy Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bond said, yo, the best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tuning in or reading the word from Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B said, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews he gave you to fix on iTunes, the number one podcast, the joint and the journalist, the GOAT, so why ask? Watch out, if watch out. About it, if he naming them, scoopy.com, do numbers like Chamberlain, pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab, if he say it's gospel, it's as simple as that, now pay attention and you can see the way it go, enough of this talking, this is Scoopy Radio. You're listening to Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scoop him. B. At Scoop B. Follow him. Yes, sir. Scoopy Radio. Scoopy Radio. On the plane, on the train, at the crib, while you're quarantining. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure, most importantly, that you subscribe to the Scoop B Radio podcast, which is available on all podcasting and streaming networks. Make sure you check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, app, Stitcher app, Spotify iHeartRadio, more importantly, visit ScoopBRadio.com, 2.1 million streams in 2019. One of the reasons why is because we have newsmakers, influencers, journalists, and everybody in between. Join the line no different here. It's 
I'm a main man out in Portland, Sean Hodgson talking all things Blazers, NBA, and just life. Sean Hodgson of Bleacher Report on the line with Scooby Radio. Welcome to the pod, man. This is Scooby Radio. How you doing, man? Man, I'm good. It's been a long time coming. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. We've been going at it, going around and just saying things in cold on Twitter and and though I sent you a message a couple of weeks ago, yeah, let's get you on the pod. And things kind of got busy, man. But but I'm glad that you're that you're here. How are you feeling out there? I'm, you know, I'm maintaining. Just, I mean, I'm, I, you know, all things considered, I can't really complain too much. I'm healthy. My family's healthy. I've been doing what everybody's saying to do. I've been staying inside. I've been washing my hands a lot. But you know, all things considered, things could be a lot worse for me. But I'm definitely ready for you know things to get back to normal a little bit. Do you think that we're going to have a season this season? I think that they are trying like hell to make there be a season. I, be I am skeptical that they're actually going to be able to do it because, like, I mean, not, look, I, I understand why they're trying to do it. There's so much money that they have on the line. They, you know, they think that if it's, a, if it's at all possible, they need to, you know, do something. And even if it's just having the playoffs, so they can solve some of that TV money. And even if it seems like it, it might not happen, they still have to just run out the ground ball, so to speak, of trying to make it happen. I don't know. I think some of these proposals, like the Disney World one that uh, my guy Keith Smith had a couple weeks ago that seems like it's picked up some traction, and then there was a report in the New York Times yesterday that uh, they, you know, that Vegas, you know, that the MGM Resort is offering it up as, you know, as a possibility. But I don't know. I think there's a way that it could work, but there's just so many moving parts that are still to be figured out in terms of, you know, they have to have, you know, they have to be able to get everybody quarantined. And you also, the other thing, you have to have available testing for everybody. Like, I read something yesterday that said that the NBA would probably need about 15,000 COVID-19 tests in order to, you know, have all their players and all the coaches and personnel and whoever would be in this bubble get tested every day. And there's not enough widespread testing for everybody right now for the NBA to really be able to have 15,000 tests. So I would guess, if you made me guess right now, yes or no, is there going to be a season? I will still lean towards no, but it seems like they're trying everything in their power to salvage at least something. No, that's real. The Portland Trailblazers had the uh, hope of the NBA season. Um, we're kind of on the outside looking in. Um, dealt with injuries throughout the course of the season. Uh, Damian Lillard, CJ Mitalo, um, if I'm not mistaken, even Baptiste and Hassan Whiteside has been, you know, pretty consistent. Then they brought in a, a guy by way of Sibbert, who's named Carmelo Anthony. But the Blazers are still, you know, at the Hall of the Season, 29-37, and in ninth place in the Western Conference, we trying to bit behind, excuse me, the Memphis Grizzlies, who sit at 32-33. You're the man they ask. You're around the Blazers a lot. Um, what do you make of their season this season? Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, obviously, the thing that you can really point to is, the injuries with, you know, with, with Nurkic still not being back. He was supposed to come back on March 15th, which was a few days after this season ended up getting postponed. And then, you know, they lose Rodney Hood for the season or pretty early on with the torn Achilles. But I just think, you know, beyond that, like the team just wasn't that good. And, you know, certainly when they brought in Carmelo Anthony, that helped, but you know, some of their off season acquisitions and, you know, different moves that they made, cause you know, they made, they made the Western conference finals last year and then got swept by the Warriors and, I think Neil Olshay, the team president, just kind of decided, okay, this group that we've had 
going together for a long time around Damon CJ with, you know, Myers Leonard and Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless and all of those guys has kind of gone about as far as it can go. And so he kind of felt like they needed to switch it up and, you know, get some of those guys out of there, bring some new guys in. And so they brought in Kent Bazemore, who I, you know, in Atlanta had been a pretty solid three and D wing. I think they thought he would be a lot better fit. He uh, was pretty underwhelming uh, throughout the season and he never really fit in the way they thought that he would. And then Hassan Whiteside uh, had such an interesting season for the Blazers because he's a guy like there were times when he looked like he was really uh, like, you know, you know, actually making the kind of impact, especially on the defensive end that, you know, they brought him in to, to have. But then there were also other times where it was like, okay, he's just putting up really impressive looking numbers and you can look at the box score and say, okay, he had uh, 15 points and 18 rebounds, like he must, and three blocks, but then he was actually blowing defensive rotation. It was kind of about what you would expect from Hassan Whiteside, where he just wasn't really contributing on a consistent basis, even though his numbers looked good, he wasn't really contributing to winning. And then it's just, you know, all of the other, like, I'll say this, you know, as much as like, you know, Carmelo was a feel good story and like, you know, they brought him in and he, you know, had a much better year, I think, than, anybody maybe could have expected given how things had gone for him in Houston and Oklahoma city. The reason that they brought him in was because they lose Zach Collins to a shoulder injury three games into the season. And then once they lose Zach Collins, who was their starting power forward, the next options that they're going to are Anthony Tolliver, who's like 35 and physically could not stay on the floor with most guys. And Mario Hazonia, who frankly, at this point, I just don't think is an NBA player. And then they, you know, they were even throwing this here little, uh, in there in the mix and he's you know he's 19 he's a kid he wasn't even supposed to play this year so like the fact that you know 35 year old Carmelo Anthony who had washed out of his last two stops was an upgrade for them that just kind of tells you about the roster that they had to kind of to work with and obviously like you can't say enough about what Dane was doing Dane was having like if the Blazers had had a better record I think Dane would be very much in that discussion as maybe an MVP candidate but obviously you know him him alone you know he was pretty much the only consistent thing that was had that they had going for them this season so i i don't know i think this team just wasn't very good they dealt with a lot of injuries but i think there also just wasn't as much talent on the roster as maybe neil olshay thought going in for sure no and it's crazy when you think about it because this was a team that was in the nba's western conference finals last season took on the blazers or excuse me took on the golden state warriors and you know went so so with the uh, oklahoma city thunder you know damon lillard hit the shot one of the best shots of his career, um, you know, over a, uh, a Paul George who had a torn rotator cuff. And, you know, just all of those different factors. And you go into this season and it's like, blech. you had these expectations for Hassan Whiteside. And then he goes into the offseason potentially, you know, people wondering, you know, is he a max guy? Like, when you look at, I guess my question is, when you look at the Blazers and, you know, whether they'll have an offseason or not, um, where do you think uh, ownership and front office looks to retain and potentially to bring in some new blood? Where do you think? Uh, where do you think that lies? Scoop B Radio. That's a good question because there's not really a lot of guys on this roster that I can look at and think you know, outside of Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and then I would I would assume that Nurk is you know going to be healthy and playing by the time that you know he was supposed to play right around the time they suspended the season. So I'd imagine mm-hmm. he's going to be back in the mix. And so because of that, I think that they are probably not going to bring back Whiteside, even if it's at a lower number, just because when they brought Whiteside in, they basically, they knew that Nurk was probably not going to be back until after the All-Star break. And so they needed somebody who could, you know, soak up some of those minutes and, you know, and, you know start and they could plug in. The plan for him was always to sort of be a stopgap until Nurk was healthy. So I don't think Whiteside will be back. But the thing is, they just don't have a lot of cap space. They don't, 
you know, even you, you can say, okay, well, they're letting Whiteside walk. He's making, you know, 20 whatever million. Like, I think he's, I think he's around 28 this season. So you know, they're not going to have that cap space, though, because they're already paying Dame a ton of money. They're already paying CJ a ton of money. Nurk is making, like, 12 million. You know, I, I, they're, they're pretty much, like, almost up to the point where they just don't have a lot of cap space, especially, you know, if they keep Trevor Ariza, who they got at the, at the deadline from Sacramento, and he had been playing pretty well for them, his $12 million deal for next year is only partially guaranteed, but I would imagine at that price, I'll probably bring him back because he had been, you know, bringing a lot for them, kind of more than anybody had expected him to at his age and given kind of how his season in Sacramento had gone. So I would imagine maybe those guys will be back. And then some of their young guys, like there's the organization, I can tell you, is still very high on Anthony Simons, even though he had kind of an underwhelming second season. Gary Trent Jr. was also a kind of a nice surprise for them. He, he was, was, you know, their second. Their right. second round pick from last year, he's, you know, he really, you know, carved out a role for himself as a rotation player. You know, he's a good defender. He can knock down a three. I think he's a guy that they see going forward. And I think they think Zach Collins is going to be healthy. So I think a lot of these guys, they do see as part of what they're doing going forward. And then, you know, Rodney Hood also, like, you know, he's obviously coming off a torn Achilles. Who knows what he's going to look like? But he's a guy that, you know, he took a discount in free agency to stay. So I think they view him as somebody who's, part of what they're doing but I just given how deep the West is I just don't know if you know you I just listed all those players and outside of Damon CJ and then if they get back Nurk healthy and he plays kind of the way he did last season before the injury I don't know how good that team is especially you know when you look at even you know some of those teams that they're you know that they were competing against for that eight seed in the West like New Orleans once they have a fully healthy season of Zion like that team's going to be pretty good uh Memphis was, you know, Memphis is only going to get better, I think. Like, uh-huh. I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know where the Blazers are, but I mean, I think, I think that, you know, with Dame, CJ, and Terry Stotts, who I think is one of the most underappreciated coaches in the NBA, there's only so bad that you can be. Like, they have a very high floor, but I don't know what they're seeing. I think it might be lower than some of those other teams. Tell me something. What surprised you about Melo this season? I mean, look, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, I I was like, I think you know when he when they brought him in, he uh, like I I certainly was in favor of the move for them. I thought, okay, you know, considering I mean, like I said earlier, once they lost Zach Collins, they pretty much had no playable options at power forward. So you might as well take a gamble on Melo, even though he's at this stage of his career. I did not expect him to play as well as he did, and I also, I mean, I think the thing that was you know obvious watching you know being around him and being up close with him, but is just how he, you know, because, you know, in the past, you know, when, when he was in Oklahoma City, he famously said, you know, I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to take a lesser role. I think at this point, he had been out of the league for a year and he was just so grateful to be back in the league that he, you know, he totally, you know, blended in and he was willing to be kind of that third scoring option behind Damon CJ, which is something that he really hasn't been in his career as a third option. And he just, uh, I mean, he just, he just totally fit in. I was, I was actually shocked by how much he had left because, Here's the thing, like, it's very easy now after he had this pretty good year in Portland for us right. to kind of look back and say, like, how was he possibly out of the league? But here's the thing. He was not good in Oklahoma City, and he was not good in Houston. And even though he's Carmelo Anthony and he's a future Hall of Famer and he's one of the best players of his generation, that doesn't mean that, you know, he like, like I mean, look what happened to Allen Iverson at the end of his career. Like, once he stopped, you know, once he wasn't the same guy, you know, those last couple of years in Detroit and Memphis, he just wasn't the same guy. And, you know, he he washed out of the league and it, it it was maybe not a surprise that, you know, given how the Oklahoma city and Houston years had gone with mellows, like, you know, as much as it sucks that, you know, one of the best guys of his generation and one of the most iconic guys of his generation was going to 
go out that way. Like it had happened before. And so when they brought him back, when the Blazers brought him in, I was just like, okay, sure. Like, let's see how this goes. This could be interesting. And then he actually brought in, you know, provided exactly what they needed from him. It's interesting. Uh, Scoopy ran on the line with Bleach Reports this show. Like, you, you mentioned the whole Iverson comparison. Um, I often think about it as, or thought about it during Melo's time figuring out his next moves. But I think the difference and similar, similarity, so I'll start with the similarity. Um, the whole I'm not coming off the bench thing was a thing. Uh, but when you look at the situation with the, with the Thunder, um, Russell Westbrook was dominating the ball. It's arguably uh, possible that Melo was the fourth option on that team behind Stephen Adams, um, Paul George, and you know all those guys. But when you look at that situation in Portland, people tried to make Melo to be like Iverson, and they felt like his skills diminished. And that's not the case. Do you feel like perception plays a lot in that? Because I feel like after Oklahoma. And after Houston in particular, the very type of player that Melo is, Houston needed that last season. They got it in Portland. Do you? I guess my question is: Do you see? Do you think perception plays a part? Why it was difficult for Melo to find somewhere to play this season? I think perception does play a little bit of a part, just because again, with the way those, and I don't, I don't think Melo was the problem in Houston when they kind of started off as badly as they did before they kind of turned their season around. But he wasn't part of the solution either. He was not good in those 10 games that he played in Houston. So I can kind of see where that was where that was coming from. And obviously, so the model for like a guy who's a former superstar who really sticks around and, you know, re- reinvents himself as a role player, the model for that in terms of like the best case scenario for that, how that could play out is Vince Carter, who, you know, once he lost kind of the explosiveness of the Toronto and the New, and the New Jersey days, he immediately he was really able to just kind of reinvent himself as a role player and he's you know he's 42 and he was sticking around this year with an Atlanta team that was rebuilding and he was you know seemed happy with his role that's the best case scenario the Iverson thing is the worst case scenario where you know it just the the athleticism just goes overnight and he then he refuses to come off the bench and he's just kind of out of the league Melo is kind of somewhere in between that where he's not the same guy anymore Sure. In terms of like like you know what he is as a player anymore because I mean he's thirty five he's gonna unless you're LeBron you're gonna your skills are gonna diminish a little bit at that age but like he you know he came in this time in Portland I think it does help that they actually needed him to start it's not like they were brought right. in as an emergency option I think plenty of teams obviously plenty of teams any teams over the offseason could have had Mel if they wanted him. But I think he was not really interested in going and, you know, doing the Vince Carter thing. And, like, I'm going to go to the Atlanta Hawks and I'm going to come off the bench and play 15 minutes a game. He wasn't really interested in doing that. And I think that a lot of, you know, given how the last two places that he played before uh, Portland, Oklahoma City and Houston, given how those places went or those, uh, those stops in his career, I think a lot of teams were just like, you know, we, if we bring in Melo in, he's not going to want to come off the bench. And he's not good enough for it to be worth having to promise him a starting spot. The Blazers were in a position where they were so desperate for literally any playable power forward that they looked around kind of the the landscape and said, hey, you know what? Let's see if Carmelo Anthony has anything left. And it actually worked out about as well for them as it could have. And it's crazy that I spoke to an Eastern Conference executive um, who listens to this podcast and told me their biggest regret was not signing Melo, and this was after he signed with Portland. If there were, if there were, for this particular person to say it, it spoke volumes. 
that particular team could use a mellow on their team right now. And I think that mellow, the next stop that he makes, if he plays like he did in Portland um, on another team, um, they're going to be a problem next season. Well, it totally depends on the situation. I honestly wouldn't rule out Portland bringing him back. If he's, if, you know, he's, he's talked about how, you know, he likes it in Portland and he wants to maybe retire here. Now, obviously that's going to come down to money and, if he's going to start, the thing about the, the thing about the, I mean, the thing about the Blazers is Zach Collins is going to be back next season from his shoulder injury that he missed most of this year uh, with, and they do view Zach Collins as their starting power forward long term. So if Melo does come back, it's going to be to come off the bench, and he's going to have to see, you know, is he will, you know, he likes the situation in Portland, like he's comfortable here, he likes the coach, he likes all the stuff, is he willing to at this point in his career now say, okay, I'm comfortable here, I like it here, now I'm willing to come off the bench and, you know, maybe take on a six-man role? Or is he going to look around and say, okay, now, you know, I've proven that I can still play in the league. I had this really successful comeback season in Portland. Now, you know, is some team going to want to, you know, give me a starting role? And I just don't know which team that's going to be. Feel free to comment podcast host Sean Hyken on the line. (laughs) Wow, thanks for the... That's right. That's it's, it's launching soon. Okay, when's it drop? I don't know. I mean, it's probably in the next couple. Like we put, we actually we've already posted the pilot episode for okay. the, the, the intro episode. We we ha- are kind of holding off on promoting it until uh, we actually you know we've done. I mean, obviously you know how this goes. You've got a podcast. We've done all the stuff in terms of submitting it all to iTunes and to Google and to Spotify and all that all those stuff. So we got to wait for all of it to get posted there, and then we're gonna drop the episode. For those of you who don't know. Uh, uh, my man Eric Gunderson, who you know is a mutual friend of yours, Scoop. Good uh, guy. Good guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's my guy. I've literally, Eric and I go back to college. Like we've literally known each other for like twelve years. Wow. But, uh, but uh, we're doing a podcast where we're going to be talking about the show Survivor's Remorse, which was a sitcom that ran for four seasons on Stars. That was executive produced by LeBron, and it was about an NBA player and his family kind of navigating the off-court stuff that comes with being an NBA star. Have you watched the show? Uh, you have or you have not oh you should it's 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 excellent first of all it's really funny but it's also like when we talk about this kind of in our intro episode we're just kind of gave an overview of what we're going to do but i don't think there's a better play vehicle for understanding lebron than survivor's remorse like he's not in the show he guest stars can i tell you a secret what i've never said this publicly i was actually i was actually um, being looked at to potentially be a cast member on that show. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, this was this was in 2018. Um, 2018. Were, yeah, when they were they when they were looking for cast members for the show. This was around the time when, um, if you if you follow my journey, I had reported a lot of stuff that was going on with LeBron and the Lakers and potentially joining the Lakers and Space Jam. And then he had this rollout with all these TV shows that he was dropping. Well, Survivor's Remorse actually came out in 2014. It ran until 2017. Well, then I'm off. There's another show that was in 2018. Thank you for correcting me. It wasn't, yeah. you know what it was? It was The Biggest Loser. It was that show. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Or, or, yeah. Okay, but yeah, so Survivor's Remorse, you guys, it, it was on Stars, so, so I... So starting from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, starting from the beginning. That's a, okay. that's a show. That's a, I mean, it's a show, I mean, especially like right now, people are kind of 
desperate, you know, there's not going to, we don't know when there's going to be an NBA again. Right. And, you know, people are kind of desperate for basketball content. I think this is a really good show. And I, I think that the reason that this show didn't really take off, I mean, it did, it ran for four seasons, so it wasn't like t- a total flop, but it didn't really take off the way it could have. I think it's because it was on stars and I don't, I don't know how many people really watch stars. I think if it had been on HBO or Netflix or some platform that right. more people have access to, I think it would have been a lot bigger deal, but I think there's really no bigger or like no, no better window into understanding LeBron than this show because he's, I mean, he's kind of like, he executive produces it. It's like him and Maverick Carter basically like created it. And right. And but like, there are characters on the show that are kind of based on like, you know, one of the, you know, the main characters, Cam, who's a, uh, who's, you know, the NBA star. And he has some similarities to, uh, you know, LeBron's life, like he grew up without a father, like he, and, and, and all, all kind of stuff. And that stuff is all touched on in the show. But then the other main character is Reggie, his cousin, who's basically a combination of Rich Paul and Maverick Carter, where like he's his mm-hmm. cousin, but he's also his agent and his business manager and is like help, you know, basically manage, like helps him kind of guide him in, in his whole career. And, but also like part of this business that he's trying to build. And just a lot of stuff. There's just a lot of parallels throughout the show, not just to stuff that happens in LeBron's career, but stuff that might like eventually happen like like there's even an episode and this this show aired like three or four years ago at this point but there is an episode where cam talks about wanting to open a school so like like lebron really just telegraphs a lot of stuff that he's actually doing in his life and in his career so this is a show that i recommend everybody check out so eric and i are going to do a podcast where we just you know go through the whole show and kind of recap episodes and maybe at some point we'll try to get some of the cast members or producers or writers or somebody on the show if we can kind of get that to happen at some point down the line but uh that you know that's something that we're going to launch pretty soon well thank you for being my my saving grace there i definitely was talking about the um the the, it was a it was a spinoff i think the biggest loser that they were doing where they were looking for notable people and i I had to fill out this questionnaire and Uh questionnaire looked at my bio and you know like there was a person calling me from that show i could talk about it now that you know, it was like, you know, there was interest. I didn't make the final cut. But the fact that LeBron is doing some of the things that he's doing is not really a surprise. And you kind of hit it on the head when you talk about telegraphing and stuff. He basically tells you everything he's going to do before he does it. But you kind of got to pay attention to his wording and his winks and you'll get it. Right. And that's the thing about this show is that if people have, like, I, like, I, like, I think if more people had watched this show, Mm-hmm. when it was on it was you know it's it, it premiered in 2014 like right after he went back to cleveland and it was canceled yeah. in 2017 but mm-hmm. uh he he basically a lot of the stuff that he ends up doing in his career or even not not even just like his career moves but just stuff that he has been like you know advocacy stuff that he's done or just different things that have gone on in his personal life or things that maybe he thinks about like 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 he's like cam is really big on uh you know you know, where he came from and, you know, what maybe could have happened if it didn't go the way it did. And that's something that LeBron always talks about with, uh, you know, I could have been a statistic or I just a kid from act like all, all this stuff that LeBron talks about, this is all in the show. So like, it's a sitcom and some of it is totally ridiculous and funny, but they also touch on some pretty heavy stuff in terms of, you know, race and uh, sexuality and just all different kinds of stuff. It's a, it's a little bit of a deeper show. It, it, it's basically like if Ballers was a little bit of a, more sophisticated show than yeah, actually was sure. yeah, instead of like totally cartoonish. Tell me about you, man. Chicago from Chicago? I'm from Portland. I lived in Chicago for four years. Okay. What did you enjoy about your time in Chicago? 
a lot of things. I really, I mean, I honestly, like, I, I love that city so much. I really want to get back there today. I don't know if, I don't know when, you know, when or if that's going to be in the cards, but that's somewhere that I really want to be again. But, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I actually moved there. Like when I first, first out of college, I took, I, I got a job at USA Today covering the NBA and, uh, I could live anywhere I wanted as long as I had an NBA team. They didn't, like, they didn't tell me where I had to live. And I just kind of decided, and this was the uh, 2013. And mm-hmm. I just kind of decided that Chicago, you know, because this, you know, this was back, you know, after basically after Derrick Rose had missed the, missed the first, missed the 2012 13 season with the, with the first ACL. I was like, you know what? They're a big market. They're on national TV all the time. They're in the playoffs every year. And Derrick Rose coming back from this ACL injury is going to be one of the biggest stories in the league. So it would be a good career move for me to go to Chicago. And so I moved there and I ended up just falling in love with the city. And, you know, I ended up kind of transitioning more from like covering the NBA nationally to was on the Bulls beat for a while first for BR. And then I was at the athletic back when they first uh, were starting out before they kind of became this huge company that they are now. And then I ended up coming back to Portland a couple of years ago. And so I, you know, right. That's where I've been for this. This would be my third season back here now, but uh, I do want to get back to Chicago at some point. Yeah, because I could never figure it out. I saw you would be over there with my guy Lawrence and Kevin Anderson over on NBC Sports. Oh, yeah. Shout out Those to are him. my guys. There's a lot lot of good people in the Chicago media scene. You know I know. <laughs> Chicago is Absolutely. where it's at, man. Chicago is where it's at. What have you been doing to pass the time uh, during coronavirus pandemic, uh, which has made everybody uh, quarantine? Like, what have you been doing? either to pass the time or to better yourself? I mean, I've just kind of been, I don't know. I mean, I wish I had like a special answer. For that. I don't really. I just kind of, I've been doing the same stuff that uh, everybody else has been doing. I've been just kind of, you know, watching different TV shows. I've been obviously still writing stuff for BR, uh, trying to read more. I just got this book about Wilt Chamberlain that I'm kind of excited to dive into. I, he, cause he's out of like the, all, all of like the NBA, you know, legend, like the top 10 guys. He's the kind of the guy that you know the least about. Cause he seems like he's not even a real person. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited to dive into that book. But, uh, you know, I've been, you know, because of the last dance, I've been revisiting a lot of the Jordan stuff. Like I pulled out the Jordan rules. I pulled out the Halberstam books. So I've been, uh, you know, I've just, I've just kind of been doing that right now. When is the first time you watched Michael Jordan on television? What team was he on and what did you remember? 98 finals. I was nine. So that was kind of right at the end. But, you know, after that, I was, you know, I would go back and, you know, I would see some of the, you know, the older stuff. I grew up in Portland. And so obviously with the, the, the thing that we talk about with Jordan in Portland is, oh, well, they drafted Sam Bowie instead of Jordan. And then the Bulls uh, beat the Blazers in the finals in uh, 92. So, like, that that was kind of how my relationship to Jordan growing up. But, you know, obviously, like, you know, you always, you know, you know his presence, you know he's, like, the greatest player ever. But, and then, you know, once I got older, I, you know, I started reading more of the books. Like, I read, like I said, the Jordan Rules and the David Halberstam book. And there's actually an interesting one called called uh, When Nothing Else Matters by Michael Leahy, who used to be at the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. And, and it's about his wizard comeback, which... That's honestly like the thing that the thing, the thing I listened to, I think it was Seku's podcast a couple of weeks ago when the last dance was about to premiere where uh, he had on one of the producers of the last dance and who or not one of the producers, but also like somebody who was involved in NBA entertainment when they actually filmed this footage in 98. And he said that that same film crew also filmed Jordan's whole Wizards comeback, both of his wizard seasons. And I was thinking, you know what, that's the documentary I kind of want to see because that's so fascinating to me that he, you know, he has a storybook ending in 98. 
with you know the, the shot over uh, Brian Russell uh, in the Utah series in the finals. And he retires, and he's like the absolute perfect ending for the greatest player of all time. And then two years later, he comes back and plays for the Washington Wizards. And like, he's still pretty good, but he's not, you know, what he was before. But he just couldn't stay away once he stopped playing. He was just kind of struggling to figure out what he was, what he wanted to do and what he was going to do. And I kind of think he still is in some ways. I don't know. Yeah, it makes me think of that Jay-Z reference in the song. He said, uh, Michael Jordan, I played for the team I own. You know, you look at that situation and, and – Washington with the Wizards, um, I've heard it told to me that, you know, Michael had an interest in potentially uh, having an ownership stake with the Chicago Bulls. And, you know, that wasn't going to happen. And so his thinking was, how can I be close to the game? You know, so you kind of see it in the last dance where it's like when they realized that or when it was said, when Krause was saying he wasn't signing this person, he wasn't signing that person. What did you want Mike to do? Then it was the lockout season. And then reemerges Mike again. It started with working out with Ron Artest and Jamal Crawford, and then you know it it it, it, it then you know snowballed to sitting in the owners box with Abe Pollard, you know, and then you know finding his way back, drafting Kwame Brown, playing with Rip Hamilton and Jerry Stackhouse. Like you're right, there are a lot of factors um, that need to be considered and discussed. Like why the hell did you go to Washington? Well, right. I think he could have, you know, if he had, if he had had some kind of more, you know, presence with the Bulls in his post-playing career, I think that might have been where he did, where he went. But like, you know, you kind of have to go where you can go. And then obviously now he owns the Hornets. They were the Bobcats at the time when he bought them, but he owns the Hornets now. And you can kind of look at his ownership of the Hornets as sort of a mixed bag when you consider they haven't really had much success since he's been there. And in a lot of ways, you still don't know if Michael Jordan is as great of an executive as he was a player. You know, it seems right. like the answer to that is no, but. uh He's still, you know, he's still around. What I thought was interesting was they just had the All Star Game in Chicago a couple mm-hmm. months ago. You and I, you and I were both there. We didn't actually get to link up, but you and I were both in Chicago that weekend. Yes, we were. And uh, there was just so much, like they did so much about like you know putting on the city and making the city the centerpiece of the whole thing, and you know really celebrating kind of those '90s Bulls teams, all that kind of stuff. All those guys were kind of making the rounds, media appearances. Jordan was not there. I don't even think he was in Chicago that week. I think he just was like, I don't, yeah, I, he was or he wasn't? He was because um, that was, I was, so basically the, the Kenny Smith party was going on at the same time as the Michael Jordan party. I've gone to Michael's party and Michael is at Michael's party every year. Um, I did not go to Michael's party that year, but I had some friends who went and they told me that they saw Michael there. Michael Austin is in a room that's kind of just like low key and more. But um, Michael was in Chicago. It was just very low key with it. Well, he—that's kind of what he does now. I think he just kind of lays low. He doesn't really like to. I mean, the the, the reason that the Last Dance was such a big deal is because Michael's done like two interviews in the last ten years. He's not really out there the way that a lot of other guys are. <laughs> doesn't feel the need to be. Well, because he's he's well he's he's way too rich to ever have to do anything he doesn't want to do. So <laughs> he, if he doesn't like, I'm sure the NBA and the Bulls would have loved for him to really be out there and really be, you know, one of the faces of all-star in Chicago and, you know, have him really be at all these events. And he was just like, yeah, I don't want to do it. There you go. There you go. What is one thing that you've learned about yourself as you've made moves from Portland to Chicago, back from Chicago to Portland, as you're pursuing your dream? What's one thing that you've learned about yourself? Scoop B Radio. That's a good question. I'm, I... I will say, I think one thing I have learned is that I, uh, I like, 
you know, I, I do a lot better when there's structure and when like, I know kind of what I'm going to be doing where like, that's kind of why, like, you know, there are some people who, you know, when, when, you know, I was, I was a Bulls beat writer for a few years, like going to practices and shoot arounds and going on the road with the team and all that kind of stuff. And there are a lot of people who don't like that. I like the, you know, knowing exactly where I'm going to be and, you know, with, you know, what the schedule is. And, you know, I'd have to do a story after shoot around. I have to do a story off the game. I have to maybe do a feature, like all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I think, I think, you know, it seems like kind of the, the, uh, the dream for a lot of people is just sort of the, uh, you know, oh, you want to be the national guy or you want to just kind of parachute in and only do like features or whatever. Like, I liked the grind of being a beat writer. So I don't know. I think that's kind of what I sort of learned is that I, you know, I like the, you know, the, the grind and the structure and kind of all that stuff. Of like, it's just kind of a day-to-day churn that a lot of people kind of grow out of. I, I really like that. Oh, that's, that's, that's good to hear. Grit, grit, grind, over sprint, you'll take the route, as E-40 would say. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, I guess you answered all my questions. I find you interesting, brother. Story Absolutely, man. It's this is this was a lot of fun. It is. It is. If you could do anything else besides be an NBA writer, what would you pick? God, that I do not know. Like because that's, that's the, the thing. Like, that's the thing because like there's been times where like you know given the way the industry is is there are times where I'm just like am I going to be able to make this work? But then my thing I go back to is what the hell else am I going to do? Because I just have. Like I've been pursuing it for this long, I've gotten this far with it. I honestly, I wish I had an answer for you, but that I just don't. That's real. Here's the good news: you're off the hot seat, sir. All right. So this is this, did I pass? Yeah, you you stay scooped through the whole process. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> all, all all I wanted, my only goal in life is to stay scooped at, at all times. Amen. It's a good mantra to live by. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Sean, thank you so much for joining me, man. Tell everybody where they can check out the work. All your socials and everything in between. All right. Well, so you can read me at Bleacher Report. Uh, I've got some kind of cool stuff in the works coming up for the next couple of months. So we're going to, you know, I'll tweet all those on my Twitter account, which is at Hyken, H-I-G-H-K-I-N. That's also my Instagram. And I'm coming soon. The the podcast, Feel Free to Comment, which is about Survivor's Remorse, which all of you guys should watch if you haven't. So that's kind of what I got going on right now. That's it. You heard it first. Over and out. This is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee, and I'll bring the Duncan. Kaboom! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 